Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Thursday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street, my name is J.J. Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Brant Daughtry, Ryan LaVoy, and Brooks Childress. Coming up on today's show, your birthdays in sports, a nightly TV guide. How about we tell you about the player of the week this week for Sports Call Auburn. We will also continue our college football SEC previews as we will talk about the Florida Gators and Ole Miss Rebels throughout the portions of today's show. And then, of course, we're going to be taking your phone calls, 334-887-3401, if you would like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first Albert's favorite sports talk show and at 515 last but not least Mr. Phil Steele will be back on the show he's got the 2022 college football preview magazine what many media experts call their bible when it comes to college football we reunite with Phil we chat with him once or twice a year and here we are on the eve of football season thrilled he was able to chat with us today on the program so that's coming up at 515 today JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress Brooks how are you I am doing well <clears throat> it's been a uh, it's been a wonderful day here in the loveliest village on the plains uh more practice for the auburn tigers media availability earlier today so we saw some pictures and videos coming from that uh, also got to hear from some of the uh defensive coaches today got uh, some some interesting quotes there so i'm sure we'll get to those coming up in a little bit but of course uh, you know we continue to inch our way toward football season it seems like the summer flies by until you hit August and you're like, oh, football's right around the corner. And then it just kind of like, oh, here's another day. Here's another day. It's just, it starts to inch its way by. But you got some NFL preseason action tonight. My uh, my team, the New England Patriots, in action for the first time uh, in uh, this 2022-2023 NFL season. They'll start off tonight with the New York Giants. Uh, Falcons, who are, we are an affiliate of, will start up tomorrow afternoon. Uh, so can't wait to watch both of those teams go uh, start off their preseasons. And then Atlanta Braves, big night last night, getting a sweep of the Boston Red Sox up in uh, Beantown, up there in Massachusetts. Got a two-game sweep sweep of the Red Sox so kind of trying to right the ship here going into another big NL East weekend as you take on uh, the Miami Marlins coming up for four games starting tomorrow night so can't wait to talk about all that and of course as always can't wait to talk to our callers what a debut last night for Vaughn Grissom for the Atlanta Braves they win both games against the Red Sox day off today and then like you said Brooks Atlanta has four games in three days against the Miami Marlins starting tomorrow Brent Daughtry hello Hello, how are you? Uh, doing great. First time on the show this week. Uh, and, you know, you're right, Von Grissom, what a way to break into the big leagues, you Woo. know. And, uh, you know, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches for the Braves. Uh, you know, they've de- really depleted their farm system. But, man, these kids are really contributing at the major league level. And I understand Von Grissom one game. I'm not ready to declare him the next great second baseman for the Braves because Ozzie Albies is still out there. But, you know, what a what a good thing that the Braves farm system has been able to just – 
keep pumping out these great major league players over and over. And Vaughn Grissom certainly is on pace. Again, one game, I understand. But uh, he's he looked really good last night and you know made a couple of good defensive plays as well. Your first home run is over the Green Monster in Boston. That's got to be a great feeling. But, Pretty yeah, awesome. Uh, really looking forward to the show today. Looking forward to talking some, some SEC football as we get ready. Ryan LaVoy, hello, sir. How's it going? I'm well, thank you. You for always, asking. yeah, you always ask us questions. how it's going. Thank you, man. I'm doing really well. It's a Thursday. Uh, we do not have a show tomorrow. Again, the Falcons are coming on the air, so Woo-hoo. this feels like a Friday in a lot of ways for what we're doing here. We've got some family travels coming up this weekend. I'm in a great mood. It's going to be a great evening, great day all around. So, uh, how are you? Thank you for asking me. <laughs> now I'm going to turn the question back around to you. Uh, I'm doing well, man. Uh, looking forward to another weekend. I'll be traveling. Like you said, as well, probably the last time I'll be in Birmingham until uh, at least a couple months go by with with football starting up and everything. But uh, yeah, no, I've been a little bit busy running around today, but uh, glad to be doing the show again. Talk about a couple more interesting SEC teams as well, and uh, it was a good conversation with Phil Steele and. I'm going to have a uh, another good show today, and this time on a Thursday to end the week. Yeah, let's jump right in. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online by going to auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, as we go there for the first time during today's program. And joining us, James from Montgomery. All right, Zeus, James from Montgomery is on the line. Hi there, James. Hello? Hello, James. Yeah, I'm here. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. I got so much energy for today as well because it is week one of preseason of the NFL. Yes. Yes, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, seeing a lot of uh, training camp and practice and seeing some of these new guys that, you know, that are going to some new teams that want to make a, a Super Bowl run, but I'm going to just probably see um, how how these eight teams are actually going to be doing for tonight as well. Yeah, we got a couple of games taking place tonight. What do you think about that Giants-Patriots game? We've seen them play one another in the Super Bowl a couple of times. The Giants won both of the games in the Super Bowl, but do you think Mac Jones and the Patriots or Daniel Jones and the Giants? Um, I will probably say that Mac Jones or AK, like I like to call him, Mac and Cheese, I think he is going to actually warm up this uh, New England Patriots team as well tonight. What made you come up with Mac and Cheese? Well, that's a really good question because I know uh, some of the uh, reporters on the NFL Network actually asked him about his iconic nickname, and that actually came up when he actually said about uh, they were asking um, why they why they actually why they like all of his players in the New England Patriots roster actually called him that and they actually I guess he likes macaroni and cheese so that's why it stuck like macaroni and cheese to yeah, his name makes as sense well. makes sense do you like macaroni and cheese yes I actually do love macaroni and cheese as well yeah who doesn't who doesn't such an American staple all right what about the Titans and Ravens game tonight uh that's gonna be a tough 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 one right there because I think I have uh the 
Baltimore Ravens actually winning uh, week one's preseason game as well and seeing uh, some of the Auburn uh, football players being played with the Baltimore Ravens as well. Yeah, and you got Roger McCreary with the Tennessee Titans. He'll debut uh, in the preseason a little bit later tonight in that contest. So there are some Auburn Tigers getting set to open up their NFL careers. Yes, as well, because I I mean, when they actually play against uh, Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore Ravens, I know it's going to be kind of cold up there because I know it's in Baltimore, but I'm probably, I'm pretty sure that Baltimore is actually going to win this one as well. All right, you're taking the Ravens. Yeah, those are the two games we've got tonight. And then, of course, the Falcons play the Lions tomorrow. We will not have a show. No show tomorrow because the Falcons will be playing while our show will be going on the air. So do you think the Falcons or Lions will win? Um, I will probably say that the Atlanta Falcons are going to win this one because I actually see them in my near near future in my crystal ball. I'll probably see the Atlanta Falcons actually for the regular season. If they have a good season, I'll probably see them actually playing in Glendale, Arizona for Super Bowl 58 as well. Wow. Wow. That's a, a big season ahead for Atlanta possibly. Yes, as well, because I would probably say that with the Atlanta Falcons, I'll probably put them with the Super Bowl champions of the of, uh, Super Bowl 56, the Los Angeles Rams. So I'll probably see a Los Angeles Rams and the Atlanta Falcons matchup sometime in their near future as well. Yeah, it couldn't be at the Super Bowl. Those two teams would play in the NFC Championship game, but I think that could be pretty epic. Yes, as well, because they, everybody's been talking about um, it's Atlanta's year to go to the Super Bowl, but I think, you know, a lot of people think that the Atlanta Falcons would go to the Super Bowl. I think so, but their first time actually going into the Super Bowl was all the way back in uh, 1995 when they actually played in the Super Bowl as well. We'll see if they can get it done this year. Now that the season is starting, that means that we can start the march towards a Super Bowl winner. That's for sure. All right, pick another sport. What else is on your mind, James? Well, I'm actually um, getting ready for Auburn football and seeing um, I'm counting down days to the pre to week one when we play against Mercer University, and I'm sure that we're actually going to win at home under the lights in Jordan-Hare Stadium, and it's going to be amazing, an amazing event for the month of September as well. All right, yeah, no, I'm excited about it too. I'm thrilled. I can't wait for uh, for Auburn football to take on Mercer. That's going to be epic. Yes, it is, it is going to be a, a historic matchup between these two schools, and I'm pretty sure who's going to be our starter this um, this first time when we play against Mercer so I've been hearing a lot of different um, different roster changes as well I've heard that Zach Calzada was going to start then CJ Finley was going to start then they were you know bouncing back and forth between Zach Calzada and CJ Finley so I don't know who's going to who's going to start as well. Yeah, hopefully we get an answer sometime soon, and then we'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. But we're getting closer. I mean, look, at this point today on Thursday, we are now 23 days away from Auburn football being played. 23 days away. 
Yes, as well. And then for tonight, they're actually going to be showing on um, regular, um, I think it's on Fox, they're actually going to be doing the Field of Dreams baseball game tonight. Yes. Between between the Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago Cubs. I am going to be watching this from beginning to end. It's one of my favorite movies of all time and actually a great pastime to actually see uh, something that I'm going to be laughing about, you know, when I'm watching this game is is, is something about me watching uh, baseball players actually play in a cornfield. It, it's pretty funny as it well. It is. It's a, it's a unique setting. It's going to be fun to watch it. I think it'll be a beautiful television product. And so you're right. Coming up tonight, Reds and Cubs from the Field of Dreams field in Iowa. I think it's going to be excellent. Do you think the Cubs or Reds win the baseball game? Who wins? <sighs> I'd probably say the Chicago Cubs will win this one because I do have them favored to win, actually, as well. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that I hope I actually get um, a lot of money that I'm actually going to be um, putting up on um, on the Fox uh, Sports Bet Super 6 app. So I'm hoping I'll win that tonight as well. I love it. I love it. Give me another thought, James. Well, I'm actually going to be um, watching a lot of uh, WNBA um, playoff uh, selection and seeing, um, you know, tonight I'm actually going to be watching uh, the Los Angeles Sparks and actually we do play them uh, this coming up weekend. Yeah, um, Sunday but- is the last day of the regular season. Mm-hmm. So I will be watching them um, in a few minutes, and I will be studying them and uh, seeing what my Dallas Wings would actually be doing when they when we go up there to Los Angeles as well. So I know it's going to be kind of hard to um, to actually stop some really good players like um, Kennedy Carter and um, you know different players on that on that Los Angeles team that's really good this year. It's going to be excellent. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch that game and to watch what the WNBA playoffs have in store for us. I think we're going to be thrilled. All right, let's talk a little bit about NASCAR. I know that you've been uh, posting about it a little bit lately. What do you got for us on NASCAR? Well, I'm actually, um, I've been wanting to know, like, for the NASCAR that's been on my mind for almost, what, since last weekend, um, I think this weekend I'm actually going to be looking at who's going to who's going to win, and uh, I think they're doing this race in Michigan. I think they were just at Michigan. They were just at Michigan. I remember that Kevin Harvick won that race. Pretty yes, awesome win yes. for Harvick. Yes, he did because I did have him favored on my uh, NASCAR fantasy uh, lineup, and I am so happy that Kevin Harvick actually gave me that big win as well. So I am still at number one in the fantasy NASCAR um, top ten, actually. So I'm Perfect. at number one. That's awesome. I'm man. at number one. Keep it up. Actually. This Sunday they race at Richmond. They race at Richmond. Yeah, so um, Richmond is one of my favorite tracks. Um, it, it's a historic track, and I think you know I don't know who's going to win it. Um, I think it might be Chase Elliott this time around. Okay. So I'm just I'm just going to see how things might go with Chase Elliott as well, and I'll probably see him 
uh, win a couple of races as well. It's going to be fun, that's for sure. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. All right, well, we're uh, we're ready to do some Halloween trivia with trivia with you. Are you ready? I am so ready for this one. All right, here's your first question, buddy. What okay. is the name? What is the name of the masked killer in Halloween? That would have to be no other than uh, Michael Myers. Look at you, buddy. Way to go. One for one. All right. Mm -hmm. Next question. Which horror film character wields a glove with razors for fingers? Which horror film character has a glove with razors for fingers? There will be no other than my favorite movie. There will be uh, Jason. Close. Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, there you go. Freddy. We'll take Freddy Krueger is who we were looking for. Yes. He's a pretty scary, scary fella. Yes, he is. He's very, very scary indeed. What movie is the famous Here's Johnny quote with the villain who put his head through a hole in the bathroom door from? What movie is that from? Oh, I know this movie. I used to watch it, and I still watch it to this day. I think that is it's right at the tip of my brain. I think that is The Shining. Yeah, wow! You're doing an outstanding job, James. <laughs> yes, I am. What do you like about that movie? Um, well, with The Shining, um, that is one of my favorite movies of the 80s. It's been, you know, a really scary movie for a long, long time. And I think uh, there are actually, I've seen The Shining 1, 2, and 3. I think there's a third part to that as well yeah just two for that one but all right here's your last question last question what movie features the headless horseman what movie features the headless horseman that would be no other than sleepy hollow wow four for four what a strong day for you james that was dominant Yes, because I do love scary movies, and with the uh, Halloween movie theme that I had for today, I think there's a really good movie that a lot of people should watch on Netflix. It's a brand new Resident Evil. It's one of the best movies ever. Okay, that's your movie recommendation for us, Resident Evil on Netflix. Yes, it is a really good movie. It's... It has a lot of scares. It's, uh, it has a lot of twists. It has a lot of turns in it, and I mean, it's an eight. Uh, it's eight episodes long, so just sit back and watch it. It's, it it will just have you like, what happened? It's so much uh, stuff in there. It has some uh, iconic characters from the old Resident Evil movie, and then it has some Easter eggs in there about the next installment to part, uh, the second installment, which will be coming out later in 2023 as well. So it'll, it'll be like some little Easter eggs in there that they might put in the movie as well. That's perfect. That's awesome. You did a great job with trivia today. Do you have any trivia recommendations for next time? Um... 
because I know we don't have a show on Friday, so I will probably have to say, um, I'll just probably take like a random uh, trivia uh, recommendation. Okay, we'll do that. Send us any tweets that you want to over the weekend. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday, James, okay? All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. There we go. That's our buddy James from Montgomery joining us on the program. Always fun to get the show started with our pal James. If you want to call in and chat with us, you could do just that. 334-887-3401. Back in a moment here on Sports Call. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at sports call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. This is Sports Call WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Bray, and Daughtry Brooks Childress from here inside our studio. We've got a lot going on for today's show. Our thanks again to James from Montgomery for calling in a moment ago. Do you want to call in and chat with us? Because you can by giving us a dial on the phone, 334-887-3401, toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sometimes I say the number way too fast, so let me slow that down a little bit for you right there. All right, what we want to do before we move forward with the program is let's make sure we take this opportunity to celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Yes, August 11th. Birthdays in sports. Here we are, 2022. Otis Taylor turns 80, a former NFL and AFL wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, selected in the 15th round of the 1965 NFL Draft and selected in the fourth round of the 1965 AFL Draft out of Prairie View A&M by the Chiefs. A Super Bowl IV champion, a 1971 AFC Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time Pro Pro Bowler. He was a two-time AFL champion, one-time first-team AFL, 1967 AFL receiving touchdowns co-leader, and a member of the Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Fame. Otis Taylor is 80 years old, and man, he was selected, as we said, in the 15th round of the NFL Draft, and then the fourth round of the AFL Draft, both by the Chiefs. That's confusing when you think about the history of the National Football League. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two drafts that a team drafts both times in, and you get the same player at different spots. Awesome. Otis Taylor is 80 years old today. Pablo Sandoval is 36. Kung Fu Panda, the former MLB third baseman, played for the San Francisco Giants, Boston Red Sox, and Atlanta Braves. Two-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, 2012 World Series MVP. He wore jersey number 48. He one time swung at a pitch, and his belt broke. His belt buckle just snapped on the swing around. Kung Fu Panda is a baseball icon. We love the Panda. And he's uh, 36 years old today. The Braves traded him for a Grand Slam in the World Series. 
I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. He didn't even start for the Braves. Oh, that's They traded great. him and got Adam Duvall, who hit a grand slam in the World Series. That's pretty cool. That's a good way to look at it, that is Brent. That is my legacy with Pablo Sandoval, other than just being like one of the coolest dudes in baseball. He himself is a World Series MVP, is. like we said, and a three-time World Series champion. Unfortunately, not a part of the Braves squad that won it in 2021. Patty Mills is 34 years old, current point guard for the Brooklyn Nets, selected 55th overall in the 2009 NBA draft out of St. Mary's by the Portland Trailblazers. Also played for the San Antonio Spurs, 2014 NBA champion with the Spurs, the NBA Sportsmanship Award winner at St. Mary's, two-time first-team All-WCC. 2008 WCC Newcomer of the Year, and his number 13 jersey was retired by the Gales, bronze medalist in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, representing Australia. Patty Mills, 34 years old today. Big time. Happy birthday to Patty. And then last but not least, how about a birthday shout out to Jerry, Jerry, Jelly Walker, Jelly Walker, a star guard for the UAB men's basketball team. Go Blazers. Talk about icons. How about Jelly Walker, man? Happy birthday, Jelly. I don't think I've seen a player from UAB get that much love natural, uh, nationally in a while. Uh, but Barstool was all on him. They, they had like a Jelly watch. And, uh, you know, he made UAB really exciting. Obviously, UAB got back to the NCAA tournament this past year and uh, returned to school. Uh, he's going to be back with uh, UAB's getting transferred from LSU, Eric Gaines, who was one of the uh, leaders in steals last year and averaged about nine a game for LSU. So uh, Jelly and, and, and Gaines going to be a heck of a backcourt, and, and Jelly's going to he's going to score a lot of points, take a lot of shots, high volume guy, but high energy and very exciting. Birthdays in sports here today, August 11th of 2022. Otis Taylor, Pablo Sandoval, Patty Mills, and Jelly Walker. All right, we mentioned. Pablo Sandoval, his stint with the Atlanta Braves, how much fun it was celebrating home runs for the ATL. They had the big panda costume head that would go throughout the dugout and that sort of thing. And when you're talking about the Atlanta Braves, the story today for our ball club against the Boston Red Sox, a team that Pablo Sandoval also played for last night. The Braves win. They've won both games against the Red Sox in the series at Fenway Park. And Vaughn Grissom made his major league debut. Yesterday, we really didn't get to talk about the fact that Vaughn Grissom was set to make his debut after the Orlando Arcia injury. And boy, what a debut Vaughn Grissom ended up having last night. And what a bat flip. I mean, he oh my uh, goodness. He knew immediately and he let that thing fly. And he also had another hit. And I heard on the broad, the Braves broadcast last night, Ben Ingram and Joe Simpson, uh, I believe that they said that was the young uh, Grissom is the youngest player to have a home run and a stolen base in their debut. Um, and so that's what they said on that on the Braves radio network last night. So uh, obviously a tremendous start. And look, he does not have to be good for very long. He's just got to be good for three, four weeks until Ozzie Albies comes back. Um, so there's not a, a ton of pressure on him because he's not doesn't have to be the guy the rest of the season. I'll tell you something interesting, though. Von Grissom, remember, he's a shortstop by trade, okay? Played at second base last night. Obviously, that's what he'll do going forward. But I just want to throw this out there. If he has a really good month, I would not be shocked. Now, they'll try and teach him outfield, I'm sure, at some point, too. But if he has a great month, 
Dansby Swanson might lose a little leverage in free agency if they feel that Grissom is going to be a, a really good player because Albies is signed long-term. And so if you're picking between Albies and Swanson, Swanson's going to be a lot more costly than Albies, and you can make an argument for who the better player overall is. Obviously, Swanson's had <coughs> – excuse me – a great season. He's had uh, a tr- tremendous season. Uh, but up until this year, there would have been no argument for Swanson over Albee. So I'm just throwing that out there. That's pure speculation, just a thought. But uh, that's what happens when you have really good minor league players is they constantly push the major league guys. They constantly you know, require that the major league guys continue to play good baseball. And look, I think there's also, a, you know, a very high chance that Dan Spins up resigning and they try and ultimately move on to a corner outfield spot and try and get uh, something done in left field. But that's just problems of a good team. You find out guys. And, and look, also, I, this is not me jumping on and guaranteeing Yvonne Grissom's going to be good. He might not be good. He, yeah, we might be it's talking. one game. We might be talking in three weeks and he's hitting 180. You know, Christian Pache's first moments in the big leagues were really fun and cool. And, and so uh, it does not always work out the way you hope. Uh, Michael, you know, Michael Harris has put enough together now where I feel, I, I think everyone feels pretty good about what Michael Harris will, will be come but uh for grissom you know one game uh you you said last night jj the uh jordan schaefer effect when jordan schaefer hit a home run in his first game maybe it was even his first at bat yep. i think he hit two home runs in his first game and then ended up being a below average major league player that was really only good for base stealing for uh, the remainder of his career so you never know but just throwing that out there that if you see a really great month or so from von grissom yeah, it, will it creep in the back of the minds that maybe Dansby Swanson does not have as much leverage to ask for that big, you know, twenty million dollar a year figure that the top couple shortstops on the market might be able to get? The Braves win last night. Von Grissom homers in his debut, and how about this? I saw this note as well, mentioning a lot of these names. Von Grissom is the first Atlanta Brave to homer in his big league debut since two thousand and nineteen when Austin Riley homered in his first big league game. It's pretty good company. Happens for the Braves a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Jason Hayward was in that mix as well uh, when he debuted and homered off of Carlos Zambrano. But I think it was uh, the bat flip, really, that won everybody over. I mean, your first game and you're flipping it up like that. Come on now. He pimped that thing. It was beautiful. That sucker had about three or four full rotations in the air. Brooks, are, Brooks, are I you was, on good terms with? Uh, I was very pleased. Are you on good terms with Von Grissom? I mean, so far, yeah. Okay, uh, good. I mean, he he's another guy that you know they pulled straight from Double A, which worked. You know, like Ryan said, it seems to have worked out the last time they did it with Michael Harris. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's one game you don't want to overreact. It's one heck of a g- game one. You know, stolen base, home run, uh, two runs, two hits, two RBIs on the night. Um, he had a solid game. Uh, he did strike out once, but that you know, uh, on that's the that's the you know the the reality of baseball is you're going to strike out a few times. But great debut last night, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm on the same camp as Ryan. Um, if if it looks like Grissom is going to be a solid, you know, you get a few you know a week or two or three into this, and you you feel good about it, maybe that starts to take a little bit of value away from the Dansby Swanson uh, deal. Uh, that could, you know, may or may not be coming from the Braves or whatever, whatever happens. Or, you know, Dansby Swanson may lose a little bit of money going into free agency rather than some of the top shortstops, as Ryan said. But, 
you know, uh, it's it's a time that you need it. And like Brant, you said earlier, uh, the Braves have done a really good job of, you know, figuring out what they've got with some of these young guys. And it, it does deplete it a little bit. Uh, the, you, you have made some trades or you've traded away a few prospects here in the last few months. You've called up a few prospects. And so that, uh, you know, you, you really got to hope that some of your new draftees from this year, uh, all 27 pitchers or whatever it was um, that they drafted needs to be uh, – needs to be good to replenish that farm system but you know Alex Anthopoulos and this Braves team have have not been shy about going for it with anything like you said uh, with the Pablo Sandoval deal they they made a trade last year and got a World Series uh, Grand Slam out of it and um, they uh, it's I I think he can be fine but again it's one game Um, but it, it was an exciting game one and once you get Ozzie Albies back, it you know Grissom's role is going to go down a little bit. If you get if you're able to get Orlando Garcia back, I don't know what his uh, diagnosis you know what what his outlook is like if he can come back this year um, at all. But it, it's it's really good to have guys down you know in your double and triple A areas that you can call on and bring them up in these t- in times that you act really really need them to step up when your top two guys are hurt and on the IL. Grab, grabbing these guys from double a too i just wanted to say you know there's always been a thought that double a and triple a are are, are pretty alike and the quality of ball and that you know the the reason double a is still uh, on par with triple a most of the time is because uh it usually still requires a promotion to make double a you have to do something good sunny to is a very rare case of someone going straight to double a that does not happen very often you can probably count one hand or two hands the guys that do that every single year so what what i'm saying is you know there's there's some guys that have been high draft picks that struggle even to get to double a and and also with triple a triple a has some older veteran players and triple a a lot of their roster spots get taken up with guys that are on the 40-man roster that might be in their late 20s early thursdays or thursdays early 30s seen Uh, seen a lot of weekends (laughs) seen a lot of weekends this guy uh seen a lot of bus trips on weekends and um that are in their early 30s and have had cups of coffee in the big leagues and they're kind of being kept in that triple a environment and on the 40 man as a next call up but i guess i'm saying is there's a lot of young talent in double a and so the, the feeling is is that there's not a huge gap between the two and look michael harris has already kind of proven that and you know von grissom if he can continue to play if he plays well then you just start talking about like yeah, it doesn't hurt to go triple a but you start to get a good sense for if someone's ready or not actually, you know, in double A. Here's some research for you guys. Talking about Von Grissom's home run last night, again, in his first big league game, it was not his first big league at bat. He actually reached on a fielder's choice in his first bat at at bat last night. Talking about Von Grissom and what he was able to accomplish, there were four, or there are, four Atlanta Braves who have homered in their first MLB at bat. Are you guys ready for this list? Yes. Four Braves have homered in their first MLB at bat. Shout out to Chuck Tanner back in 1955. Homered in his first big league at bat for the I Atlanta remember Braves. old Charlie. Old Charlie. Uh, in 1996, a player known as Jermaine Dye homered for the Atlanta Braves in his first big league at bat. 
And then Jordan Schaefer in 2009 and Jason Hayward in 2010. Also pointed out that Austin Riley and Vaughn Grissom homered in their first league, big league games. And then how about this? On August 27, 2014, in his first professional at-bat in the major leagues for the Chicago Cubs, Jorge Soler went deep. And then on May 6, 2015, in his first MLB at-bat with the Minnesota Twins, Eddie Rosario hit a home run. That's a good number of Braves on the current team that have something in common. Hitting a home run in your first game. <laughs> yeah, I That's feel, crazy I feel to like think about. something that happens more than we realize. You just get this adrenaline rush when you first get to the big leagues. I mean, Juan Grissom talked about getting called at like 2 in the morning. And then he, th- he thought he was in trouble. Right. And uh, it was a, the exact opposite. Not only are you not going to AAA, you're going to the major leagues. Um, so I think there's, it's the adrenaline rush. And you kind of just, let, like with anything, you get a temporary boost. You know, and you're just happy to be there, and you're uber focused, and you're just kind of dialed in. And then, you know, the the thing with Grissom is, or any young guy, and why I'm proud of how Michael Harris still hanging around hitting the 280s, is the first month is the probably the easiest month for rookies and for young guys because the league doesn't have a great scouting report on you yet. And we saw that with Austin Riley his rookie year. Uh, I believe we saw it. Um, you know, if you want to go another former Brave, Jock Peterson uh, with the Dodgers had that electric first month where he hit like 12 home runs or something in sure. his first month. And then everyone gets a book on you and they kind of they, they have enough results to say, okay, this guy likes it up and in, or this guy can't handle anything away, or, uh, you know, he'll chase low and out of the zone. And so that second month is the first time they re- that pitchers really know how to pitch you. And you saw a lot. You see a lot of guys struggle in that second month. And if you can, if you can battle through that second, even that third month, and continue to hit well, that's a really, really good indicator that you're going to be just fine. Because if in this day and age, especially, they know how to pitch you after they've they've seen you and after they've they've watched you play twenty or thirty games. So if you're still hitting all year long, and this is more so talking about Michael Harris at this point, if you can hit for many months in your rookie year, yeah. then you've proven that you can hit their adjustments. And that's a very important thing when it comes to big league hitting. And even great hitters, I mean, Austin Riley's turned into this MVP candidate. He struggled mightily once pitchers adjusted to him. He was We were, we were like two months away from saying he can't do this in the major leagues uh, because he was struggling so much and striking out a lot. And then it just clicked with him, and he, and he adjusted. And now I, there's no getting him out right now and no keeping him in the ballpark. So, again, I'm proud of using Von Grissom and say I'm proud of Michael Harris because I every day I get more and more confident that this guy is going to end up being a good big league player. Um, because, because again, I mean, you, you hear this laundry list of guys, and no offense to some of those guys, but some of those guys you just read, you know, uh, Jordan Schaefer, again, I, I hate to dog him out again, but it's like – Someone comes on the scene, hits two home runs. You thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah, look at this game changer, and it just doesn't work that way because there's so many of these things and there's so many nuances to hitting. So, uh, great start for Von Von Grissom, but uh, the real test will be coming in the weeks uh, to come. And you know, I, I use the example of if he has a great month, you know, will it? change you know their minds or make them make Dansby lose some leverage well a good organization will probably still say well it's only a month and they'd be looking at how 
pitchers tried the evolution of how pitchers pitched him over that month to see if anything really changed uh, because that would be the, the the biggest thing is that if he is still being pitched the same way then obviously the pitchers have not adjusted to how they need to pitch him and therefore you can't really make a fair assessment so i'm kind of playing devil's advocate to my own point earlier but you know it's just an interesting talking point because we know dansby swanson has the same agency that freddie freeman just had so we know that they're they're not going to take hometown discounts in all likelihood. And we just know that in Major League Baseball, there's just so many horror stories of these huge contracts that don't work out. Not that Swanson will get one of these huge contracts. He'll get a big contract, but not like, oh, my God, $300 million. He won't get one of those. But Major League Baseball has been all about trying to find the rep- 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 excuse me, replacement player that can be far cheaper but do a lot of the same things and there's entire organizations that's that's, that that's all they do um and and so with all the brave spending somewhere and they did it with freddie freeman to degree it's somewhere they're gonna not be able to spend top dollar and i'm just saying you know if von grissom von grissom plays a month and he hits 10 home runs and he hits 300 right then you're gonna find a lineup spot for him and it's a good problem to have, but someone's going to be on the way out. And maybe that's just Marcel Azuna. Maybe just DH and Azuna's gone. And that that might be simple. But it also might be that, hey, if this guy in the offseason is wanting $20 million and we need him to be around 12 to 14 because we need to sign another bullpen guy on top of that or a fifth starter, it might be beneficial for us to do this. We, we've heard the Braves will have a bigger payroll, but there still won't be the Yankees or Dodgers or even the Mets in all likelihood. So um, – just, just a thought. Just think, tank here about about that. But uh, I, I, I guess I, I guess I compensated for us not talking about Vaughn yesterday and went like way too big of a picture picture today. Uh, but just, just the thoughts that I have be interesting to yeah, see. I'm definitely big picture is so important. I'm definitely just celebrating the moment and what was able to happen. Again, I found the total: ten Braves players have homered in their first MLB game while wearing a Braves uniform. I gave you the four that did it in their first at-bat. Six more have done it just in their first game. So, again, 1955, Chuck Tanner. Don't know. 1978, Bob Horner. Good player. 1996, Jermaine Dye. Good player. 1998, Marty Malloy. I don't, don't think he was a good player. 2005, Jeff Francoeur. Good good player for a while 2009 jordan schaefer not a good player 2010 (laughs) jason hayward okay player 2013 evan gaddis okay player. loved him he was he was my favorite he was my favorite austin riley 2019 damn good player and then vaughn grissom in 2022 tbd player hall of fame lock and then what do you have like five goods a couple bads a couple averages in there yeah um, first at bat home runs in Major League Baseball. We've already seen three so far in 2022, two in 2021, three in 2020, two in 2019, none in 2018, one in 2017, and then there were three in 2016. Wilson Contreras for the Cubs, good player, hit a home run in his first big league at bat, and then back on August 13th, 2016. So here we are, two days shy of the six-year anniversary on this. On August 13th, 2016, the New York Yankees became the first and only team to have rookies, Homer, in their first big league at-bats back-to-back. Judge and Sanchez? Tyler Austin and Aaron Judge. 
went back to back. Austin first. <laughs> And then Aaron Judge had a quote after the game. I was so ecstatic on deck after Austin hit it out. He went down 0-2 quickly in the count, battled back, and hit a ball way out. And then I was like, oh, no, I've just got to make contact now. End quote. He made contact. And Aaron Judge homered in his first when, big When Aaron back. Judge makes contact, it usually goes out. <laughs> yeah. That dude's pretty freaking good. And there's the, there's the tail. One ends, is, to my knowledge, not in the big leagues now. And one's about to be the American League MVP. So that's how it Depends dr- on who you ask. Some or the say, National League Some would say National League MVP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, that that's, again, that's the cautionary side of the tail. So, okay, if Michael Harris is a good player, I guess Vaughn Grissom's not going to be a good player. Oh, Devil's man. advocate. There. Devil, indeed. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's get ready to get out of here for hour number one. But what we want to do today, because we do this each and every week, is make sure that we tell you about our Sports Call Player of the Week. So without further ado, here it is. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn Ford Yohan Traor is Sports Call's Player of the Week, brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. The freshman showed off his skills in Auburn's international trip to Israel, posting two 20-point games and wins against the Israeli U-20 team and Israel Select team. While the Tigers lost the third game of the tour to the Israeli national team, Treyor still put up solid numbers, scoring eight points and grabbing four rebounds. On the trip as a whole, he shot 60% from the field and also dished out five assists in three games. Yoan Treyor is Sports Call's Player of the Week. And again, the Player of the Week is brought to you by our buddy Eric McDade at Eric McDade State Farm. Drive with Eric.com for the best deals that you can find. Mr. Brant Daughtry. Hello. What can you tell me? In addition to uh, what you just told us about Yoan Treor. Yoan Treor, uh, he's French. Calls player of the week. He is he, French. He's a French man. He played really well. He's very tall, and he's pretty good at basketball. I, I, I'm really excited to watch this basketball team, and I understand that we got a little taste of it over in Israel. The, the fact is the, that basketball team is going to look very different by the time the season comes around, but we, you can glean some things. It looks like Wendell Green Jr. is more comfortable being a main point guard. Um, Katie Johnson coming off the bench, perhaps. Chance Westry looks really, really special. Um, very excited for him. But, yeah, Treyor uh, played really well. Um, I We've talked about him a little bit. He's uh, he's more of an offensive big than Auburn has had in the past couple of years. Really uh, polished offensive skill set, I think. And uh, really look – all, all that, all those three games made me do was really look forward to basketball season. I can't wait. It'll be here soon. It'll be here soon. But he looked really good, uh, as did Janai Broom. One of our monthly predictions was who's going to be the leading scorer for Auburn men's basketball on their Israel tour. And it looked like Yoan was well on his way and then kind of fell off that final game and Janai Broom beat him by five points. 53 total points for Janai Broom. And then it was Yoan Treor right behind him with 48. Good to see this team get some experience. Again, just three games in August in a foreign country. But hey, you got to see some Auburn basketball this time of year before football gets yeah. up and going. Basketball games in August, man. How, who'd have thunk? Who would have? Who yeah. would have thunk? It's like the bumble, bumble. Uh, it's like the bubble in 2020 okay. all over again when right. that uh, came back to be and was in play. That's I, I see. I see the connection. You see you're what making. I'm doing I'm, there? I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. But I'm, on the collegiate level, yeah, these foreign tours are the only chance that you're going to have to yep. see some August men's basketball. What do you want to say, Brooks? I want to hear your voice. Um, hi. There's my voice. <laughs> there it is. So beautiful. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, he he looked good in those first two games, and then, like you said, fell off, and Janai Broom kind of took that scoring ti- the scoring title for the three away from him. Um, it was good to see the Auburn basketball team get out there on the court against those 
the Israeli team. Obviously, like Brant said, it's going to be a different look team once you get uh, the full set of plays put in during these next couple months before you hit November and the season starts. But three games get you a little wet your whistle for basketball and get you ready for some football here coming up. Our Sports Call Player of the Week brought to you by Eric McDade State Farm. All right, fellas, we've done it. One hour. It's over with. We accomplished it. Woo! All right, let's take a timeout here on the program. We've got more to come in the second hour of Sports Call today. Some college football previews. Florida, Ole Miss. What are they going to look like in 2022? We'll tell you about it. Phil Still still joins the program a little bit later in the program as well. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress, my name is J.J. Jackson. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson is my name. I'm inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Hope that everyone's having a great Thursday so far. We want to let you know that all of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Give us a call to join the show, 334 334- 887-3401 locally or toll free at one 888 9 Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. We only have two hours left of Sports Call here this week. That means we will not have a show tomorrow. And Mr. Brant Daughtry, why is that? Why will we not be coming on the air? Because my Atlanta Falcons are yes. playing the Detroit Lions in a preseason NFL game at 5 Eastern, which feels like the most miserable experience ever. 6 Eastern, 5 Central. 6 Eastern, 5 Central. Pre-game coverage starts at 3 Central, 3 Central 4, Eastern, 4 Eastern, the two-hour show. And we, of course, are affiliates of the Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. Yes, sir. We spoke with Wes Durham earlier this week on Sports Call about the fact that the preseason was getting started on Friday for ATL. So, again, we won't be on the air tomorrow because you'll be listening to the Falcons Radio Network right here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. Sound like a plan for everybody? Preseason football. Let's get it. Let's get it. Which means three preseason games and then football is back in action. In the grand scheme of things, yes, we don't care about preseason. It's the countdown. It's the beginning of the end of the offseason. And the other thing, too, like, let's remember this. There used to be four preseason games. Yeah. Now there's one fewer preseason game and one more regular season game. That's an added bonus. It's great. One less great. game that means absolutely nothing. One more game that does mean something. And so the journey for the Falcons starts tomorrow. 
yeah i think everyone's okay with the extra regular season game it it was a good compromise because i don't think it takes four games of preseason football to really figure yourself out and um Especially with some of these teams that are going to, we're not playing our starters at all in preseason. Well, and that's proof of that. I mean, the only real thing preseason does is acclimate new players, which are predominantly rookies. Okay, you 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 would like preseason to help the guys that you acquired via trade and free agency out, and those new guys. Yeah. But Brooks brought this up when we were talking some football earlier today. You know, the Bucks went with a brand-new quarterback and won a Super Bowl, not graded. He's the greatest of all time. It's, a, it's not something that's easy to replicate. But entirely new team. A, a team, a guy that played the same team 20-plus years, and he walks into an organization that hadn't made the playoffs in over a decade that went Super Bowl immediately, and they had no preseason. So, now, granted, no one had preseason, but the, the thing is, is that kind of proves that there's a lot of opportunity to get better within the regular season. And if you can just play, look, you know, you have, I think you have a game where you play the stars a little bit and the other two, you know, you, you play a few star, you play some position battles. I'm not saying you don't play a single starter, but they're veterans. The guys have been in the league five, six, seven, eight years. They just don't need all that. They, well, especially like I give you, I'll give you a position that I don't think you should probably get a single game rep in in preseason and, that, that? and that's running back i don't think you should get a single single carry if you're a, a running back because that's just more that's just more body hits totaling up throughout the season you know and you could say oh well they need to get their reads right and their blocking assignment and you know on, on pass uh, pass pro and they, they need to see when the holes are opening up no <laughs> do, do a scrimmage or something with your with your play calls and practice. You, you you don't want guys, especially these guys that get hurt every year like McCaffrey and Barkley that are top five talent running backs in the league but haven't been the last couple of years because they've not been available. Like that's just a position you just don't need preseason time for. You Amen. don't want extra hits on. So I think this was a great compromise by the league and all the owners are going to enjoy more money. All the fans are going to enjoy an extra regular season game and all the players don't really get any more beat up because all that's really happening is you're throttling down preseason. I feel like, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but 10 years ago, you still would have seen the starters play uh, probably a full half in one or two of the preseason games. No and doubt. Then you would have seen them play like a quarter in another one. Maybe you sit out one of the four. I was going to say that last preseason game was always like your dry run game. Yeah. You would play the, all your starters yeah, for at least a half. You, you would play a decent amount. And so... I think in the aggregate, they're not playing any more meaningful snaps at all. None. Because they're not even playing, in some teams' cases, they're they're skipping. They're still skipping an entire preseason game. They're playing like a quarter of one and a half other. They're playing about, they're playing about three quarters of football in the preseason, right. where I think they used to play probably five or six. Um, and, and so then you make up a, you know, those quarters on the back end with one extra game. You're really not playing much more football. Um, so, and you can't say. And also, one thing you can't say is like, oh well, you know, preseason doesn't count. It's not as physical. Oh yeah, it's as physical. <laughs> it's football. What do you mean it's not? It's not the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl is not as physical. <laughs> but uh, so again, in the aggregate, it really hasn't changed anything. So I think it's a great product. And I probably have gone on too too long talking about it. But yeah, it, it worked out. It's worked out. Out well 
long way for us to say that, hey, we've got Falcons football coming your way tomorrow. <laughs> yes, as well. At, uh, at 3 o'clock Central time at the pregame show. Kickoff set for 5 Central, 6 p.m. Eastern kickoff for the Falcons and the Lions. All right, college football. We're counting down the days for that season to start. And 23 days is the number for the Florida Gators to take the football field. They're going to be playing the Utah Utes at home at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in Gainesville, Florida. Florida with the first-year head coach and Billy Napier after he comes over from a tenure as the Louisiana head coach. The Gators took on UCF last season in the Gasparilla Bowl where they lost 29-17 and Florida ended the year 6-7 and on the season. So the Florida Gators have the Billy Napier era getting started in 23 days when they take on a Power 5 opponent in the Utah Utes at home. Yeah, and that Utah game, uh, really sneaky tough. Um, I, I know people in this part of the country probably don't keep up with Utah as much. You know, if you're keeping up with Pac-12 schools, you're probably keeping up with USC and Oregon uh, primarily. But Utah has actually been every bit as successful as those two schools have been in the last five or so years. Kyle Whittingham has continued to be uh, a very quality head coach out there, and if you looked at the preseason coaches poll that came out a couple of days ago, obviously that's not what we're going to go off of once the AP poll comes out. Yeah. Um, but I think Utah was slotted, I want to say, in the top 10 or at least the top 15. Um, so this is a really difficult game to start off with. And it's also very difficult because why is Utah good? Okay, some teams are good because they out-talent you. Some teams are, are just greatly coached. Some, some teams are just complement each other really well. And Utah does that really well. They complement each other well, and they're well coached. Because Utah, naming the time Utah had this incredible recruiting class that everyone was like, oh, well, yeah, they're just going to – they're going to rack them up now. Uh, I, I, To be honest with you, off the top of my head, I don't even know where they finished because they're not ever in the top 15 or top 20. Um, so Whittingham does an excellent job with them. They usually always have good defenses, and a, so a well-coached and disciplined football team is something very difficult for a newly coached football team with a new quarterback, a young quarterback, to face and so that's probably gonna even though it's at home like yeah you put utah on upset alert florida's really talented no one's arguing that but that's probably a, a non-conference loss for florida which you normally uh, would not see uh, and so that's going to kind of get them off to a little bit of a slow start when you look at their crossover games obviously they always play lsu but they've also got at texas a&m and, and that that's the second worst thing you could do, probably, no other than play at Alabama if you're Florida. Now, the LSU game will be a toss-up. I think that's turned into a, a terrific you know, makeshift rivalry here over the last five or six years because of the crossover game. Um, but regardless, Florida's going to be fighting it this year. Florida is the LSU of the East. They are talented enough to win nine or ten games, but they have a new coach, they need a new identity, and they have so many question marks. And again, it's so difficult to do it in this conference. You know, USC with Lincoln Riley in that Pac-12 conference, there's probably nothing to stop them from winning nine or ten games this year. Uh, they, I think they've got Notre Dame in the non-conference, and then they'll probably play Oregon and Utah 
Other than that, the USC should out-talent everyone. It shouldn't even matter how organized they are. They should just out-talent everyone else because of Kayla Williams and everything they brought over. Uh, they should out-talent everybody. But it, you can't do that in the SEC because just about everyone's talented. If your name's not Vanderbilt, you're talented. Even Missouri has more talent than the average team in the country. So um, it's about cohesion and it's about – everyone fitting together and that's my issue with florida this year is and and by the way um something i was very disappointed last year and i did not expect coming and i should have looked deeper into the personality of dan mullen because i i think he's a brilliant coach from his x's and o's standpoint but he kind of let that team quit that team kind of quit last year. It wasn't as egregious as we've seen other teams, but they didn't have any edge. You can't tell me the team that almost beat Alabama that had a two-point conversion to force overtime should be losing to Missouri last year. You just It just shouldn't be happening. Uh, but that, that, that team kind of phoned it in down the stretch, and I, I think they've got to right some culture issues there as well, and that's always just a, a very tough test because they've got a lot of players back. I think they got eight defensive starters back. A couple of them are all SEC guys. So, again, talent's not a question there, but just how bad do they want it? How can Napier implement his style in there, uh, a style I really like from Louisiana? Um, those are their biggest questions. Talent says nine or ten wins, but lack of cohesion, experience, and just edge says something more around I probably would say six or seven for Florida. Yeah, I'm going to meet you right in the middle. I'm going to say eight. And this is without looking at the schedule, to be fair. But, I mean, looking at this, I think you're right. I think they dropped that first game to Utah. But uh, their talent does say that they are talented enough to win nine or ten games. But, I mean, even Billy Napier has said, hey, we're going to take this thing kind of slow. They're, they're not expecting to compete for a championship this year, which has ticked off a couple of Florida people. Sure. But I, I think it's responsible for Napier to set those expectations when he knows what he's dealing with. I think Anthony Richardson is super talented. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does in his first year as a full-time starter. And I think, really, it's going to come down to him. I think his his play is going to de- 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 going to determine what this team can be. Uh, as it usually does, it's all going to fall onto the shoulders of the quarterback. But um, I, I'm I'm with Ryan. Nine or ten wins is possible. Six or seven based on the fact that they have a new head coach who's never coached at this level before. I'm going to meet in the middle. I'm going to say eight, eight and five, something like that. The Florida Gators getting set for their upcoming college football season. We've got to take a timeout when we return. Brooks Childress, he's got thoughts on Billy Napier's squad. You'll get to hear those in just a moment. we got to pay some bills. Let's take a quick break, and our show continues in a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Sports Call can now be heard on Amazon Alexa devices. Open the Alexa app on your iPhone or Android and tap the menu icon at the top left. Tap skills and games in the menu and search 
for Sports Call Auburn. Select the skill, then tap Enable to Use, and you're done. All you have to do now is say, hey, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn, and you're listening to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hello, everybody. I'm JJ Jackson inside the studio with Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, and Ryan LaVoy, and we're talking about the Florida Gators getting ready for the upcoming college football season. Brooks, Billy Napier, it's his first year as the head coach. Anthony Richardson is back at quarterback, but it's a Florida Gators team that opens the year with a non-conference game at home against Utah. Of course, they always play Florida State in their rivalry game at the end of the year. That's a non-conference game for the Gators. Talk to me about Florida as they gear up for the season. It, it is just amazing to me that a team with enough talent to go to three consecutive New Year's Six games with the Peach Bowl, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl went two and six in conference last year, six and seven overall. It's just, as you were saying before the break, Ryan, um, it, it shows you how much that team fell apart at the end of the year last year. And it's, uh, you know, it, everybody's said it so far. They've got the talent there, obviously. As I just said, they went to three straight New Year Six bowl games, and they won what two two out of three of those. They beat uh, Michigan forty one fifteen, and they beat Virginia thirty six twenty eight. They did lose that Cotton Bowl to Oklahoma fifty five to twenty, but it's just that they they have so much talent there. Um, I I think it's a very big positive for Billy Napier that you have uh, Anthony Richardson coming back. I think that um, he's got if if he can step up and go to the potential that I think a lot of Florida fans think he's going to he can get to. Uh, he can be a good quarterback. He can be a good dual-threat quarterback for them. Um, the big problem on offense is you're replacing your top three leading rushers and your leading uh, receiver on offense. But, you know, if if this if you're taking everything, you know, you believe Billy Napier, they're not competing for a championship this year. Um, they're trying to rebuild that up. Maybe, you know, it, you, you get some guys in there that you can, you know, build on your system and get back to a point where Florida is competing for championships very, very soon. You look at the schedule, you know, you guys have talked about it, but that's a really tough one with Utah, a team that's picked to finish at the top of the, the Pac-12 South this year, a team that if they do finish the top of the Pac-12 South, that means they could be sniffing a playoff spot. That That's a really good Utah team that you've got coming into your uh, – to to your place then you go uh, host kentucky kentucky's a team that could be you know we've we've already uh talked about them um that they could be a really good team uh, well we've we've not we've mentioned them in several other sec east teams that we've uh we've talked about uh but kentucky could be a really uh a team that messes them up there so you could start out realistic oh and two you've got ucf there not a factor in the aac uh, they were what two two wins last year i think usf yeah. usf yeah usf um i was thinking about caleb williams for a second because you mentioned him all ago ryan um usf won two wins last year uh i i think that you you get off to a rough start and you're at tennessee that it's just it's rough i think that you could realistically maybe see seven to eight wins here if you can grab some of those at the bottom you you've got a chance if south carolina is not as good as some people think they could be you could grab three straight in a row there south carolina vanderbilt and then florida state because who knows what florida state's going to look like anymore um but that beginning and then you kind of get a little bit of break there with eastern washington and missouri after tennessee but then if lsu can figure things out it, it could, that could be a iffy game, and you get Georgia and Texas A&M back to back off the bye week. That that's a gauntlet right there for for this Florida team. 
eight, seven wins, maybe, maybe six wins if if uh, LSU gets their act together and comes into that game uh, strong. But I, I think that Billy Napier is a, is a guy that can get this program turned around. He's a Nick Saban disciple. That could play in, uh, a negative one if he that ever could makes be, it go to really the, really wrong that yeah could, yeah if they if they make it to an sec championship or uh, in the future years they play alabama that could be bad for for florida but you know it's I, I think that they've got they've got enough talent to be good it's just can they evolve into bill and apier system and it's like what ryan said i like this system at uh, louisiana i really liked him at louisiana um almost you know basically ran the conference there for a few years until uh jamie chadwell and that coastal carolina team came up and then, uh, of course, App State's always really, really good in the in the Sun Belt. But I think they've got the they've got a base already there for Billy Napier. It's just going to depend on how he builds it up over the next couple years. The other thing with Florida, you look at what they were able to do last year, and yes, yeah, six and seven is the record. That's not great. And yeah, you look back at Dan Mullen, and you really don't want to spend much time thinking about it because look, they moved on, they made a coaching change. You got to give Billy Napier his respect. But this Florida Gators team, speaking to the talent, because what I've heard from the three of you so far is talent, 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 a lot with this Florida Gators squad. Speaking to that, they lost four SEC games. Yes, they went two and six in the conference. Four of them were by a touchdown or less. A one-point loss to Missouri in overtime. They lost to Alabama by two. They lost to LSU by a touchdown. And only the South Carolina game where they just got obliterated at Williams-Brice Stadium, 40-17. to And then Georgia, but who played Georgia tough last year at all, really? Florida was in a lot of these right. football games. A ton of them. Four losses in the SEC by a touchdown or less pretty well, impressive and i was gonna say florida actually held georgia down for a quarter and a half i mean that was very competitive until right before halftime swung the game until that florida was was hanging in there but um you know i, I think with with florida they've got six of their first seven at home and you look at them I mentioned that Utah game. kentucky's up second south florida and it's at tennessee that's gonna be tough Host Eastern Washington, host Missouri, host LSU. You really have to start four and three uh, there at the worst because if you if you're three and four, let's say you lose to Utah and Kentucky on your home field, you lose to Tennessee as you will probably be expected to, do, and you mess up and lose to either Missouri or more probable LSU. You're three and four. You're going to lose to Georgia after the bye week. Three and five. You got A and M who figures to be a top ten team. That's three and six. And then you got to run the table. Host South Carolina at Vandy, which you'll win Vandy, but then at Florida State. And okay, remember Florida barely beat Florida State last year. Florida State's had its own problems. They've been a mess since Jimbo Fisher left. Really, even his last year there included. But rivalry game in Tallahassee. If you're floundering around five and six, six and five, that's not going to be a, a a surefire win for Florida. So, um, you know, there's definitely some urgency there in those first two weeks because Utah and Kentucky fall under the teams that will probably be, or certainly Utah's ranked above Florida, and then Kentucky's projected in the East to be above Florida. So those are two games that, despite being at home. You, on a neutral field, you would not be expected to win. Can your home field influence either one of those games and get you started out all right? Because then there's a flip side to it. It's like, well, you can find that eight or nine win team if you can beat Utah and Kentucky and you know, you'll know lose to Tennessee, I think, still. But then you maybe hold on and only lose to Georgia and A&M the rest of the way. So 
That's, that's those are the paths there. But six out of seven, you know, I talk about Auburn's five in a row all the time. But you know, there's no buys until after that seventh week. So it is six out of seven in the swamp to start off with, and the swamp's a great place to play. So we'll see that's if that, that means go. anything to Florida. We've seen the swamp be a difficult place to play, and it's got to be a tough place for them to play this upcoming season. I don't know. I, I think Florida could be. Uh, back in action a little bit quicker than maybe some would think just looking at of course the way they ended the season last year and just looking at the results and a new coach coming in and that sort of thing but i think billy napier is cherishing this opportunity and he's ready to go out and play some football yeah ryan said it a minute ago the team that got thumped by south carolina is not the same team that took alabama almost to overtime that was two very very different schools and if billy napier can get them all on the same page and get what he needs to get out of anthony richardson and the rest of that team and then you know everything clicks then yeah you can absolutely see them taking a lot of a lot of great teams down to the wire and you know possibly competing for a share of the east i mean obviously georgia's the front runner there but and tennessee is really the, the popular pick for second but florida's still florida and i think ryan said a great had a, had a great bit again when he called them the LSU of the East. I mean, they're always going to be super talented. Always. Uh, it's just a matter of getting everything pulling in the right direction. And I want to say one thing on Richardson because we haven't talked about him much, but when you look at the quarterback hierarchy in the conference, Richardson is still somewhere probably middle to bottom just because of how little he played. He had 64 pass attempts last year, and that was what Florida fans were stammering for is they wanted to see him over Emory Jones, especially later in the season. Um, Richardson played just little enough for me to be more interested in his potential than what actually happened on the field last mm-hmm. year, but he did throw five interceptions and 64 passes. And there are some guys that throw five picks and a couple hundred passes. And so that is my one concern. I think there that is a very important part of this. And I know the quarterback position is the most important part, but his ceiling is very high. He's got a lot of potential because he can be such a great runner, too. But does he start to turn the ball over a lot like he did last year, or does he make the big plays that he was able to make in spurts last year? That's a huge piece of it for Florida. If they can get the the higher end Anthony Richardson, the, the potential part of him, then okay, you're, you're going to start to have maybe more of a boom season. And Anthony Richardson's play at quarterback is a question that needs to be answered for the Gators as they get set for the 2022 college football season. Alright, we're up against a break on the other side of this break. How about we head to Oxford? Hotty toddy, gosh almighty. What are we going to say about the Ole Miss Rebels? You'll find out after this here on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on the program, Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Our Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. That podcast available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, our app, our website. 
which is sportscallauburn.com or the tiger.fm. Multiple, multiple ways to find our program. If you're listening to the podcast, if you would hit pause and leave us a five star rating and review, write out a review. The algorithms, they love it. It makes the podcast a little bit easier to be found for others. Share our show. We want to get out there. We want people to know exactly what Sports Call Auburn is all about. Thank you so much for your constant support. We've got a lot of Sports Call swag online as well that you can find on our website, thetiger.fm, through Radio Swag Shop. I got a couple of new Sports Call shirts earlier this week, which is amazing. So go and support. Rep the brand. They look good. Show us around town. Yeah, absolutely they look good. Make sure you're supporting Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. All right, Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a head football coach by the name of Lane Kiffin. He's 15-8 and eight in his two years serving as the head coach of Ole Miss, a team that went 10-3 and three last season, including a 6-2 and two record in the SEC. They lost 21-7 to seven in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. Brooks, you get to go first this time. Hey. There we go. Talk to me about the Rebels. Now, I haven't been on all week long. Because, okay. So, so there's a couple teams that I have not gotten the opportunity to preview on the air um, but from the ones that I have gotten to preview on the air Ole Miss they've got the best non-conference schedule that I've seen well I say the best the easiest non-conference schedule for the team you get Troy you get Central Arkansas at Georgia Tech which I think that may be a, a Mercedes-Benz game too it, it potentially is Mercedes-Benz game and so you're not technically at Georgia Tech it's quote-unquote neutral site game but it's going to be billed as a Georgia Tech home game and so and then you get Tulsa and so I think that this you know coming out of the non-conference slate and you get all four of those at the start of the year there's a real strong strong possibility Mississippi State or Mississippi State Ole Miss is 4-0 going into that Kentucky game and that's going to be probably your first big test of the year is that Kentucky game but you get it at home Um, the thing that concerns me a little bit is you only have five returning offensive starters for this Ole Miss team this year but the good news is four of those guys are on the offensive line which is really really positive that you get four of your offensive line guys coming back because I don't have have uh, a doubt that on the skill position that Lane Kiffin can make guys work. We've seen it over the years. We've seen it at, at Alabama. You've seen it at Florida Atlantic when he was there for a couple years, and, and you saw it last year uh, in his last couple years here with uh, Ole Miss. I think that they can have this offense can, by that Kentucky game, especially with those four games that you shouldn't. If you're this, you know, if you're good enough and you are, look like the Ole Miss team you looked like last year. Um, you get that offense clicking by that Kentucky game, you can have a really, really strong possibility of beating Kentucky. Then you get Vanderbilt, and then you had your next big test is that Auburn game, but you get Auburn at home. Who knows what Auburn's going to look like going to that portion of the season at LSU, at Texas A&M. And I'll tell you what, Ole Miss has got one of the later bye weeks of the the, the uh, season because you're going to look at this by the first – They own, their bye week is not till the first weekend in November. So you're going to be sitting there every Saturday flipping on. It's like, has Ole Miss had a break yet? But they just – they're going have a bye week before that Alabama game and then Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State that could be a tough schedule right there at the very end but I think that, you know, 10-3 and three last year for this Ole Miss team, I think that's a strong possibility again this year as a 10-win Ole Miss team going into this year. And it's an, this is another one of those teams that we've talked about, and Ryan, you, we, I mentioned it the other day, but we talked about it a lot at SEC Media Days. They're one of those teams that you could see finishing anywhere in that, uh, in that SEC West besides probably first 
because Alabama still exists in the SEC West. But there's a strong possibility Lane Kiffin comes out of this season at 10 wins. I think the floor right now, if you look at that schedule, especially with that non-conference, is eight wins. I think eight wins to 10 wins is what the window you're looking at for this Ole Miss team. I really like, uh, especially with, like I said, with the five returning starters on offense, even though that's a low number, because it's the offensive line and you get to give your quarterback a little bit of time to sit in the pocket and throw the football, I think that plays well with uh, with what Lane Kevin can work with with the skill positions of this offense. Matt Corral is not back at quarterback drafted by the Carolina Panthers, a third-round selection. And for clarity, Ole Miss will play Georgia Tech at Bobby Dodd Stadium this upcoming year. Next year, they will play at Vaught-Hemingway in oh. Ole Miss. So Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. Shout out to matter. them. A home and home. A it home and matter. home uh, that they've set up with the Yellow Jackets. Mr. Daughtry. Yeah, very, very backloaded schedule here. I'll be totally honest. This is the first time I've looked at anyone's schedule that wasn't Auburn. But yeah, getting four of your five returning off- offensive linemen returning is a, a big deal, especially when you have a quarterback who hasn't played for you before. Jackson Dart had flashes of looking really, really good at USC last year. Um, but I mean, in six games through five picks, you know, I- I'm sorry. That's that's not great. He's going to have to improve on that. But uh, Lane Kiffin has always done good things. You two are so adorable. Lane Kiffin has always done good things with... Uh, he was with, talking with, to Ryan with, and JJ. Correct. Me. Correct. My brother. <laughs> Lane Kiffin's always done great things with quarterbacks, so I'm sure that he will fix that. But, I mean, it's like you said, Brooks, other than Alabama, the SEC West is completely just wide open. Any team can finish anywhere between second and seventh, even though I think... Mississippi State and Auburn feel like solidly battling for last place. I, I really feel like either one of those teams could challenge for second or third in the in the West. So it, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, Ole Miss. I mean, I'm looking at this like Auburn's a very losable game at LSU at Texas A&M. Very losable. Alabama. I think they will lose that game. Arkansas plans to be better. And Mississippi State. I mean. I think Ole Miss is a better team than Mississippi State, but what if that five-game stretch goes really, really poorly for them and they're 6-5 and five on a five-game losing skid? You know, What if they only win one of those five? Uh, it, who knows what happens in the Egg Bowl at that point? And it is in Starkville this year, so and really, who knows? And who knows what happens in the Egg Bowl, period. It, exactly, exactly. Very well said, sir. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, anywhere between 10-2 and two and... I don't know, six and six and six, honestly, feels all feels really, really viable to me. The entire SEC West is volatile. Every single one of those teams can go in any direction. It's it's gonna be really it's gonna be one of the more insane years we've had uh for teams not competing for championships right now. Yeah, for me when I when I look at Ole Miss and um, going over their team, I, I like what you said about the non conference schedule and that at Georgia Tech will be worth keeping an eye out. Georgia Tech needs a, a big year this year out of Jeff Collins. So it's, you know, the, the, this is now or never for him. So with that sense of urgency, you know, maybe there's some early season um, stability there. But, uh, you know, the thing with Ole Miss is to talk about an offensive line that will be experienced. I, I, too, am not too worried about their skill positions. And here's why. One of the guys they got coming back, and you see that they lost their top four receivers um, one of them was a uh, a running back in Jerry and Ely. 
it doesn't really account for Jonathan Mingo being out half the season. Jonathan Mingo had 300 yards receiving, but he only played six games. He would have had a six, 700-yard year and probably been their number two receiver over Braylon Sanders last year. So Mingo is a really good receiver that I think very highly of. And then at the quarterback and running back position, you bring in Zach Evans out of Utah, who is was very solid at Utah. A lot of people love Evans. Uh, there's a lot to replace in that running back room because you, they kind of played three guys, and I don't think any of them came back. Even Henry Parrish was not back, and then, of course, Jerry Lee and Snoop Connor. But I think Evans, at least as the number one guy, will be quite good. And then Jackson Dart has the talent. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that it, it will be hard to produce like Matt Corral because Matt Corral was, was gaudy uh, with his numbers from, from week to week. But – Look, again, I think that Lane Kiffin is really damn good at coaching offense. And so I I think that offense will be just fine. I think more realistically, you're looking at questions on the defense. They got about half their starters back. They've got one or two guys at each level. But their best defense player, Chance Campbell, is not there anymore, who led the team in tackling. They do have a couple guys in their secondary that are pretty good. But, you know, back to something I said earlier in the week when we we were previewing Tennessee. Ole Miss last year got up to the number 51 scoring defense. So they gave up a lot of yards. They were 97th in yards, but 51st in scoring because they bend, don't break. They use that uh, elongate, like the 3-3-5 they used. And, and so they, they allowed teams yards, but were able to stiffen and, and hang in there down there in, in short, short yard situations. And so I, I think with what – Ole Miss was able to make strides with in defense last year and going from that about 100th best defense to around the 50th. Again, I have the same ass. Stay in the middle of the pack. If Ole Miss stays in the 50s or 60s in the country, yes, it will prevent them from beating Alabama slash having a unbelievable season, but it will prevent them from having that 6-6 six and six floor season because their offense should be good. And, and so if they can just have a defense that doesn't lose them a bunch of games, then they should be able to win eight or nine uh, game, games in, in, the, in the season. And so uh, I think that that is their goal, to hang in there in the 50s. Uh, on defense and you know playing Vanderbilt Kentucky getting Kentucky at home is so big there because we we don't have to resign ourselves to the the if Ole Miss finishes fourth in the west that they can't beat number two or three in the east it's not like a lateral thing where all right four can only beat four or lower in the other division and that sort of thing they can beat Kentucky at home in Hemingway Stadium and Something interesting, you know, you guys are talking about the volatility of two through seven and everything. You know, Auburn, who finishes down there towards the bottom of the West last year, uh, obviously due to the end of the season, they beat number two in the West. It was Ole Miss, and Ole Miss only lost to two state of Alabama teams in the regular season. Right. Auburn beat Arkansas, who was above them in the standings. So even finishing sixth or seventh in the West does not mean you have a game or two where you beat the teams above you. It's just simply a week-to-week exercise. And so it is very possible that you know Ole Miss might shake out fourth, for example. It's where I put them in the preseason. But they might beat the thir- number three team in the West. They might beat the number two or three team in the East, Kentucky, but then also lose to someone like Auburn or lose the Egg Bowl. And then, therefore, that prevents them from actually finishing second or third in the West while they were actually good enough to 
be second or third in the West because they beat one of those teams. So that's what makes it so tough is because none of these teams are likely to run through all their other counterparts. They're all going to have mix and matches of who they beat and who they lose to. You're just trying to figure out the tiebreakers and who beat who because, you know, if, if six beat seven, well, they're going to end up having a tiebreaker over that. Even if seven beat number three in the West, then seven lost to six. So they might finish three and five in the West and they lose out on a tiebreaker and finish seventh. So it's going to be a lot of close proximity in the standings, I think. But Ole Miss is certainly one of the teams in the West capable of finishing second and, and capable of, uh, again, we keep saying nine to ten win seasons because, look, when you don't have really anything you're scared of in the non-conference, you don't play Georgia, look, Ole Miss got to look at it and say, other than Alabama, who, by the way, Lane Kiff is going to try his damnedest to beat at, right. at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium, other than Alabama, who who scares us? Who do we think we cannot beat? Because we beat all these teams except for Auburn last year. We beat Texas A&M last year if you're, if you're Ole Miss. Uh, and, and you won the Egg Bowl. Uh, and, and you beat Arkansas in, in, a, in a crazy game, high-scoring game early in the season. So nothing should scare Ole Miss other than Alabama. Of course, we know college football, and it's not played on paper. Ultimately, they will lose more than what paper says they should. But this team could still be really good next year. Let's go ahead and we'll take our final timeout of the hour here on Sports Call. On the other side, we wrap up hour number two of the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show here in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call. You're listening to WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM on the Tiger Communication Sports Network. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys. All right, back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. Just a few minutes left here in the hour. I'm J.J. Jackson, again, alongside Ryan, the boy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Thank you so much for making us a part of your afternoon, however you're doing that. You can also call us, 334-887-3401. Coming up at 515, Mr. Phil Steele is on our program. You'll be able to listen to that conversation again coming up at 5.15 on today's show. We've got a nightly TV guide to close out the program as well. No sports call tomorrow. Atlanta Falcons, they start their preseason. 5 o'clock Central kickoff, 3 p.m. Central pregame coverage. Here on Tiger 95.9 FM, a proud affiliate of the Atlanta Falcons radio network. Um, Two weeks from today... We've got the first Tiger Talk, which means that Auburn football will be here before we know it as well on the start of the college football season. Today's show, we've been talking about Florida and Ole Miss. And for the last couple of minutes here on the program today, quickly, from each of you, of those two teams, who are you more excited by, intrigued by, interested in? You can only care about one of the two teams that we've talked about today. Make a selection, please, gentlemen. I'm sorry. You can't do both. You got to pick one. Because I know what is, uh, because I said, like I said, when I was breaking it down, because I know that 
Lane Kiffin has established himself and can, is you know can get that offense working in uh, in Oxford. I'm really more intrigued by the Florida uh, this Florida team because I want to see what the first year under Billy Napier. They've got an interesting non-conference slate, um, especially with that game against. Uh, Utah to start the year, so I think Utah or not, I think Florida is the team I'm more intrigued. I would be more intrigued to watch all year. I'm going to take the Rebels. Uh, Lane Kiffin is appointment television unto himself, so I think that that's a bless you, sir. I think that's going to be a, a really wonderful. Uh, what was I saying? I think that I think that they're going to be Kiffin's a lot. Of, wonderful. Lane wonderful. Lane Kiffin's wonderful. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think that that team is going to. Uh, they, they, like I said, the entire West, man, is, is just going to be so interesting to watch uh, because there's just so many different paths that it can take. So I'm going to take the Rebels and uh, see what uh, Lane Kiffin can do. I'm going to take Ole Miss as well. Nor- normally I'm really interested in Florida because they factor into the, the national picture so much. Um, this is the first year in a few that they aren't, and – Obviously, two years ago with Dan Mullen, they went to the SEC championship game and fell apart last year. They, they for all the fan base stuff I've heard out of them, they're not that broken. They they had a bad year in which they the guys just kind of quit and kind of pulled up a little bit. But that doesn't mean that the program's just completely broken. But if the fans keep acting like it's broken, sooner or later it, it might uh, it might be a self fulfilling prophecy. But for now, I, I'm I'm more excited by Ole Miss just because it's another group of players, skill position players that Kiffin's working with. That offense is just perennially fun to watch, anything that he does offensively. And, um, you know, I think that they are are trying to make a stand here in in this time where Texas A&M's spending a lot of money and LSU's spinning the wheels, Auburn's spinning the wheels a little bit. Ole Miss is trying to, like – catapult itself a little bit and get better footing in the top half of the West after a lot of years of being down there in the bottom looking up at everybody. So I want to see Kiffin continue to kind of cycle this thing along. We haven't seen him in one place for very long, and I'm just interested to see if if he'll stay at Ole Miss five, six, seven years plus and really see this thing turn all the way over and see if they can maintain it. So I think that's an interesting storyline, see if Ole Miss can keep being eight to ten win program here in the coming years. There's a level of frustration right now from me because I wanted the opportunity to pick Florida just to be a little bit different, but I just I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it at all. I think that uh, I've got to join Brooks's team. Two I'm the two. different one. I know. I know. I, okay, I'll be on Brooks's hey, team. Man. I'll be on Brooks's team. I me and you, Brooks, you mean it. against the world. All right, that brings the second hour of our program to a close. On the other side of this final timeout. We've got one more hour left to go. We've got, of course, a conversation with Phil Still coming up and more here on Sports Call. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. 
To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Final hour of Sports Call getting started right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress on this Thursday. We hope that you're doing well. If you would like to be a part of the program, you could call us, 334-887-3401. We're set to chat with our good buddy, Mr. Phil Steele, the college football extraordinaire. He's got the best college football preview magazine that we love looking at each and every season. All the media members call it their Bible for the college football season. So, uh, yeah, we're going to chat with him as we do each and every August. And I think that you'll really appreciate the things that he has to say about the Auburn football team as they get ready for this upcoming year. As we get this hour of the program started, let's give you our daily recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. (sighs) Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um... Can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Our daily show recap, Brooks Childress, what do you got for us? Uh, well, we've had a lot of great stuff going on today. We've had uh, some great calls earlier in the show. Uh, we've also gone through our, continue to go through our SEC previews as we do every single year as we get ready for football season to get here. We talked about some Florida football and some Ole Miss football. Yeah. And so we've had some great, uh, some great content there. If you missed any of that, make sure you go back and listen to it on the Sports Call podcast. But um, we had a great show for you today. And, of course, it's Thursday feels like a Friday because we won't have a show tomorrow because the Atlanta Falcons will be on the air at this time. They'll be, they, have, they will have kicked off by this point tomorrow, less than 24 hours away from Atlanta Falcons football back on your airways right here on Tiger 95.9 all season long. First one up in Michigan against the Detroit Lions. So uh, we'll get to see this kind of new look Atlanta Falcons up against Dan Campbell and the Hard Knocks Lions. The, the first episode of Hard Knocks pre, uh, premiered this past Wednesday night. And so uh, Atlanta Falcons, I guess they'll, they'll get featured in – I'm not a big Hard Knocks. Like, I've never really watched They'll have much. clips from the preseason and, games. And yeah. So they'll, they'll be uh, – get a little bit of feature here when they play the Lions – or when the, that episode comes out here in a couple weeks. It's going to be fun. It's good stuff now that football season is basically here. And again, we won't have that show tomorrow with preseason getting started. You mentioned Auburn football. They're going through fall camp right now. Tigers trying to figure out who that starting quarterback is going to be. Is it going to be Zach Calzada or is it going to be TJ Finley, Robbie Ashford, Holden Gurner, all those quarterbacks getting reps right now for the Auburn football team. Many people believe it to be either TJ Finley or Zach Calzada. Time will tell, of course. There is a big, big, big measuring stick uh, that will take place this weekend because Saturday, for the first time during fall camp, we'll have a scrimmage. And every fall camp, I mean, guys, we've been doing, uh, the the three of us, and and Brandt joining the team now in sports call as well, but the three of us have been doing this five, six football seasons now at this point. And you just know your fall camp storylines, you really have major shifts in the narrative and the leaders of your football program once you can get that first scrimmage out of the way. And so that happens on Saturday and Saturday night. Brian Harson will tell the world all about the first scrimmage for Auburn football. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, 
you're right. I haven't been covering Auburn football as long as you guys have, but I've been watching. You know, I've been paying attention to storylines for several years now, and you're right. After that first scrimmage is really when things start to take shape, um, especially with this quarterback battle. I expect it to be whittled down to two, you know, and you have the rest of the fall uh, to figure out who the two are. And, you know, the, the big storyline is it's probably one of the two already anyway. So uh, Calzada and Finley going up against one another should be an interesting storyline to, to kind of focus on. And crap, I, Harson may just go, well, we haven't decided on one yeah. up, up until the start of the season. And, you know, you can probably get away with playing both of them against Mercer. So we may keep that going until we get to Penn State when he'll have to truly decide on somebody. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how he wants to play that. I don't think he wants to do that. I just think he could. Um, but you're right. Uh, this spring, first spring scrimmage or first fall scrimmage, is when when the uh, the big picture really starts to take shape. Without a doubt, excited to see what happens with that scrimmage. To see what wide receivers make big plays. It's always as soon as the the scrimmage is over and you get a couple of interviews. Sometimes the coach and the players will tell you who scored touchdowns, but then after that, it is a race for the beat writers to hit up their sources within the program, yep. within the uh, athletic department, to say, all right. Who scored our touchdowns? Who had the interceptions? Who made big plays? Who ran somebody over? And then also credit to this coaching staff with all the access they've seen and credit to the Auburn film staff and War Eagle Productions and the, the parties that be. They're putting out videos of this team go-karting and having a whole lot of fun. They're, they're going to have some clips of the scrimmage themselves. Absolutely. Now it's going to be very edited in terms of we're not going to show you, hey, here's an hour and a half scrimmage uncut. Have fun. But here's Tank Bigsby. You'll get to see fumb- some highlights. Here's Tank Bigsby fumbling twice. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to show that. Right, right. Here's every interception of the quarterbacks that happens yeah. and that sort here's, of thing. Here's an interception where they show you which quarterback threw the ball. Yeah, they're not going. <laughs> they're probably not even going to do that. They can. Well, shout out the defensive that back that makes Absolutely. the play. Uh, but who was the quarterback? I don't know. Maybe a walk on. You know. Yeah. We'll yeah. Uh, we'll see how all that goes. But that's coming up on Saturday. So uh, again, a big measuring stick for. the this Auburn football program. And speaking of this Auburn football program, there's no greater college football insider than our good pal Phil Steele. He joins the program every fall. He's got the College Football Preview Magazine. He's been doing it for over 27 years. 352 pages of great stuff. He tells us all about it in Auburn football next here on Sports Call. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. And for yet another season, we are so honored to bring on our good buddy, Phil Steele. He's got the College Football Preview Magazine out once again, and he's back with us on today's show here on the loveliest village on the plains. Phil, the time is greatly appreciated. How are you, sir? 
You know, I am doing great. How about you gentlemen today? We can't complain. It's a great day for us here on the Plains. Football season is right around the corner, and we're excited to talk about the Auburn Tigers going into this season. Phil, when you look back and evaluate year one for Brian Harson, what stands out to you? Uh, I think the probably some close calls down the stretch. Uh, I think the overall assessment of Auburn be be a lot different. Uh, had Tank Bigsby uh, not run out of bounds, and they held on to that lead against Alabama instead of losing it in four overtimes. And uh, you know, it was a disappointing finish to the year, dropping the last five games. But I thought at one point Auburn was a, a clear cut contender in the East, and uh, I think that they're underrated coming into this year. You take a look at this Auburn team, and obviously they've got a big change at the quarterback position, which is where a lot of people start to evaluate a football team with Finley and Zach Calzada, Robbie Ashford, a couple of transfers there in the mix. Tell us about the quarterback room this season. Yeah, and it's probably my biggest question mark on the entire Auburn team is the quarterback spot. In fact, uh, seven of the eight units rank in my top units in the front of the magazine. The only unit that doesn't is the quarterback play. And Zach Calzada uh, seems to have a slight lead there. I wasn't overwhelmed with the job he did at Texas A&M, but he was thrown into the fire due to an injury and, uh, you know, did did decent at times. T.J. Finley's got the athleticism you love at a starting quarterback, but you know, a little inconsistent and uh, and hasn't won a full time job. And then Robbie Ashford, another contender. So I think it is my biggest question mark coming into the fall is the quarterback position. And Phil, obviously, when we're looking at this SEC, there's strengths and weaknesses for all these teams, really, uh, especially two through seven in the West. And and looking at Auburn, obviously, as you as you mentioned, quarterbacks going to be but potentially a weakness for the Tigers. But let's look at a strength on the other side of the ball, the defensive line. I believe you have them ranked number one in the unit rankings for the SEC. Just talk about what kind of returns Auburn can get on this veteran defensive line. Yeah, I'm really high on the defensive line. Rate number nine in the country coming in. You look at the the uh, defensive end, Colby Wooden. Uh, he's a guy that uh, you know last year he was out of position sometimes, but he's a definite weapon. He can play defensive end. He can play defensive tackle. I think he's going to have a big year, and he's a an NFL caliber guy. If you count Derek Hall in there, he's in playing in that quasi outside linebacker defensive end spot. Uh, he brings 256 pounds on the edge. He's great off the edge. He's got power. He's a captain, uh, and he's very intense. And then you look at a couple of additions inside. Uh, Jason Jones comes in. He was my number 11-rated uh, defensive lineman out of high school. He transferred in from Oregon, uh, and he looks like an SEC defensive lineman. He's 6'6". He's 328. Uh, Jeffrey uh, Emba is a guy that's my number 2-rated Juco coming in. Once again, he looks like an NFL guy, so I think there's a lot of talent. Auburn's going to be able to rotate play players inside. That was the strength of Georgia last year. They could go three deep in the interior, and I think Auburn's got that capability this year. And also, Phil, I want to get your, your input on the schedule. Obviously, it doesn't change too much every year. You're always going to play Alabama, always going to play Georgia, and always going to have some other top 25 caliber teams in there. But just curious what you think of the start when you have five straight home games to open a season. That's something that Auburn has had before, but nevertheless, it's still pretty rare. Yeah, it is, and I think it's a great 
chance for this team to really uh, blend together playing those five games. You remember last year when they traveled to face Penn State, whiteout conditions, close loss. Easily could have won that thing, change a player or two in that one. Uh, and they get LSU at home. I think they're in a much better situation than LSU is right now. LSU's got a first-year head coach. Uh, Missouri's a game they'll easily be favored in. Mercer, San Jose State. I really think Auburn opens up the year 5-0, and and that's what they'll be when they travel to face Georgia. And that makes that pick a seventh that the media has for them in the SEC West, uh, to me, a little off base. Phil, I want to go back to those SEC unit rankings. Another unit that you've got ranked very high for this Auburn Tigers team is the special teams unit. You've got them ranked number one alongside with Texas A&M and Alabama. What is it about the special teams unit coming into this year for the Tigers that has you so optimistic about them? Well, last year they finished number 14 in the country, and they've got a punter in Oscar Chapman, who was third-team SEC, had a super net of 41.8. 23 of his punts landed inside the 20. Chapman was uh, in just his second year playing. Of course, all the punters nowadays are Australian. But add another year of experience to that, to that 41.8 net, and that's outstanding. Then you look at the kicker, Anders Carlson. Now, Carlson in 2020 hit 20 at 22 field goals. Last year, slipped a little bit, 14 at 21, and then uh, was injured. But I think when you look at Carlson this year, if he can return to form in 2020, they're exceptional. Plus, they've got a guy in Alex McPherson, a true freshman, who who's a stud that uh, will eventually be the starting kicker at Auburn. Could even be this year. We'll have to see how it goes. And then kick return-wise, they've got a pretty dangerous return man in Pritchett, who averaged 31.3 on kick returns last year. So add it all up. I've got Auburn uh, as my number five rated special teams in the country. And then, Phil, on your unit rankings, a question mark that's been around the Auburn Tigers for several years now is the offensive line, and you've got them uh, ranked as number two in the off- in the in the unit rankings on, on your magazine this year. And I know it's a lot of veterans that are coming back for this uh, team. Is that the reason you rank them so high, because of the veteran leadership there? Yeah, and, you know, letting you in, uh, I'm on the Joe Moore Award Committee, and we had conversations last year, and I'll tell you what, there's hardly any offensive line that overwhelmed the Joe Moore Award Committee last year. Everybody had flaws, and, and that was the the consensus at the end of the year was, you know, uh, in most years, the offensive lines that uh, were up for the top five in the award might not have made the top five because offensive line play was rather iffy last year. So it wasn't just Auburn. It was teams all the way across the board. And now you look at the players coming back, uh, like Troxell at right tackle. I think he's an NFL-caliber dude. Uh, the Nick Brams back at uh, center, Keandre Jones at guard. It's a veteran unit and uh, a, a deep unit. I think they've got depth this year. They showed some flashes last year, and I think they're really going to emerge this season. That's the voice of Phil Steele. He's joining us on the program today. It's the book the experts cannot do without. We can't successfully run a radio show if one of these is not in our studios. Looking at the college football preview, the most accurate magazine over the last 27 years with our guy, the Auburn running back, Tank Bigsby, donning the cover. I want to point something else out, Phil, that you touched on in the Auburn schedule, and that was the just the fact, like we talked about, Auburn traveling to both Bama and Georgia and pointing out the last four times they've played both on the road. Auburn's finished with five losses in each season, going 0-8 against Georgia and Alabama. How can Auburn reverse those trends this year? Uh, and, and I think Auburn has a chance to top the eight wins this year. In fact, uh, when I look at their schedule, 
you know, the Georgia game and the Alabama game are two games that clearly have an underdog, double-digit dog in both games. But then uh, I think the three key games at Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, I think are both winnable on the road. You know, Ole Miss has got a brand-new team. They brought in a lot of transfers. Mississippi State, uh, Mississippi State is off a bye for that, but I think Auburn's got the talent to play with them. And then the Texas A&M game at home is really going to determine who finishes, I think, in that second or third spot in the SEC West. So the, the potential's there for Auburn to, to top the, the to top that five losses that they had the last times in that situation. Our last note on the Auburn Tigers here today as we look at this team going into the second season of the Brian Harson era. Last year, he's got these experienced SEC coordinators in Mike Bobo running the offense and Derek Mason running the defense. This year, that's entirely different. He's got more familiar faces that he knows personally in the building at elevated roles. When you look at the coaching staff for Auburn, what stands out to you? Uh, I think that, that both coordinators are stepping into pretty good situations. When you're strong at the line of scrimmage, you're going to win a lot of games, and both coordinators uh, inherit some very good line play. Uh, overall, you know, Eric Casso, as you mentioned, was a guy that was the Boise State offense coordinator for four years. Uh, prior to that, he was at Fresno State as the offense coordinator, so he's got a lot of experience. He was here at Auburn uh, last year as the wide receiver coach, and I think that's going to be a good step uh, for the offense. And defensively, you know, Schmetting is a guy who ran some pretty good defenses at Boise in 19 and 20, prior to that at Eastern Washington. And once again, it's not his first foray into the SEC. He got his feet wet last year as a linebacker coach, and I think both coaches are going to do better than expected. Let's look at the conference as a whole for a moment, Phil, and uh, obviously I think there is uh, a pretty small gap, or so it would seem, coming into the season with a lot of these teams in the middle of the pack in the SEC. And when you're determining, like, for example, through the West, and you're trying to really go through two through seven, what seems significant to you when you, when you kind of try and, and sort out a, a, an order of finish here? What's the most significant thing you're looking at? No, I, I look at every factor. I mean, you have to look at you know which teams are the most experienced. Are there teams that were better than their final record last year? Uh, who's got the best schedule? Uh, how do the teams match up uh, among the ones that are contending for a spot in the conference? But I'll tell you this, guys. Uh, when I, I write the magazine in a three-write-through process, the first write-through is my postseason write-through. I've just watched every game all season long. Then I read every article that's written about the team during the course of the year, get into a real good ebb and flow of what happened with each position, and do my initial power ratings. The second one is my pre-spring write-through, where we add in the freshmen and we add in all the transfers. At this point of the magazine process, and we're talking about uh, March, uh, here's how I ranked the SEC West. I had number one, Alabama. Number two, Texas A&M. Number three, five-way tie. I couldn't pick a number two, <laughs> couldn't pick a number seven. It was almost impossible to go through that and, and come up. I, and I'm always looking for one. I'm like, okay, well, let's get a seven at least, or let's get a three at least. And I just couldn't do it. And it didn't get much better when we put the magazine to the press after I talked to the, the coaches. Uh, I had a three-way tie for third and a, a two-way tie for sixth. And, uh, you know, I can make a case for any of the five teams being up there. The West is, as you guys know, the best division in college football. Football. And Phil, when you look at this SEC as a whole, you know you make your predictions here, the S, or the forecast here in your magazine. Is there a team that when you you rank these, uh, you know, one through six in each division, or one through seven in each division, uh, is there a team that you looked at and said they could finish higher than this team, than what I'm putting them right now? Uh, 
That would probably be everybody in the West. <laughs> you know, it has that potential to finish higher uh, than where I have them. Uh, I think Auburn's going to finish higher than the media has them. The media has them seventh. I have them tied for third. So I think Auburn's my darling this year. I'll be rooting for them all season long because I always root for the team to, that would make my magazine the most accurate. And a big, big year out of Auburn would do that. On the other side, I think the East, clearly the team I'm most afraid of, would be South Carolina because South Carolina – Last year, their over-under was three and a half, and Shane Beamer got them to seven. This year, they have a quarterback, something they lacked last year. Spencer Rattler takes over. Uh, they've got a solid receiver core with the additions of guys like Antoine Wells uh, from uh, FCS James Madison and Austin Stogner from Oklahoma, also Corey Rucker from Arkansas State. I think this team's much better offensively, much better defensively than last year. They just play a pretty tough schedule where they're probably going to be an underdog in six, perhaps even seven games, uh, and that's why I put them fifth. But I think if anybody upsets my alpha cart in the East, it would be South Carolina. And then, Phil, you know, you make your preseason All-SEC team picks up here. And on the quarterback line, you know, you got Bryce Young, number one, obviously, <laughs> Hendon Hooker, two, Will Rogers, third, and Anthony Richardson, fourth team. A name that we don't see on there is a guy that's been getting a lot of praise is Will Levis. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on the quarterback class as a whole this year in the SEC. Uh, it, yeah, you could make a case for any. There's a five, six, seven, and eight guys that all could be like, why are they not all conference? It's like, well, which one of my all conference guys you want me to take out? And I think with Will Levis, you know, he's a guy who the NFL scouts are captivated by. He looks like a potential first round draft pick in next year's draft. Uh, the only reason I left him off the list was the fact that if you go back and look at last year, he had a lot of phenomenal outings, but he also had a lot of pedestrian outings. In fact, uh, he was held under 200 yards passing eight times last year, and he's got a new offensive coordinator. So I need to see a little bit more consistency, a little bit more that they're going to have him throwing the football around the yard, and that's probably why he was left off the list. But I could make a great case for 5, 6, 7, and 8 being all-conference this year. Phil, I wanted to ask you a question just about the magazine itself because this is something you've been doing for a while, and you mentioned three write-ups, and we know that you interview all the coaches. You go through tireless preparation for this magazine. At the end of the day, when this thing comes to print, what are you most proud of with this magazine? Uh the fact that everybody in the media uses it as their Bible for college football during the course of the year. Uh, you know, we, we haven't changed the format in the fact that you know where all the information is on every page for every team. And I give the same amount of coverage to a team like James Madison and Akron, two full pages, and the same amount of time in the offseason to those that I do in the big boys like Alabama uh, and USC. So I, I like the fact that you could close your eyes and if I say, what was the final score of a game from three years ago, you know exactly where to look who's the starting left tackle for a team you know exactly where to look who was the leading rusher last year you know exactly where to look and it's quick easier reference probably even uh, quicker and easy it is quicker and easier than if you looked up looked it up on the internet because each team site is set up differently you're probably six to eight clicks away whereas you're just one point uh, from knowing that information by looking at it so I, I think that and the accuracy part as well what invigorates you to keep going each and every year, Phil? 27 years of doing this, and you're not slowing down, it seems. 
Yeah, not not in the least bit. And I think it's just that we put out the best product in the country. And, uh, you know, when you're number one, there's no reason to, to worry about anything else. Just go ahead and uh, continue doing it each year. And just the amount of people, if you ever go on my Twitter and you look at the, the people posting their pictures of getting the magazine, right there is enough to keep you going year after year. So I'm, I'm hoping to do this another 28 years. And, Phil, we talk with Chris Van Dyne, the SEC coordinator, and we talk UAB with him for Conference USA here in the state. I know that you've got a remarkable team behind the scenes helping you put together a magazine like this. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much legwork that has to be done to put this amount of information. We spent seven months doing the magazine like this. We have conference coordinators, people that worry about all the stats, and uh, it's something where, it, you know, when you, I think there's probably a million words and stats that are in the magazine, and if you're, you have one percent typos, that's a, that's a uh, ten thousand typos. So, you know, we have to have ninety nine point nine percent accuracy in the stuff we put in the magazine, and uh, the staff is a huge part of that. If someone's driving their car right now, where do they need to go to pick up a copy of this magazine? Uh, right there in Alabama, I'd say Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. And of course, Books A Million is a local uh, Alabama uh, place. And, and when we printed the magazine this year, we actually had to print it in two runs. We gave the entire first run to Barnes & Noble, but it's hitting all the other places. And uh, it should be, definitely be at Books A Million as well. Phil, thanks so much for the time today. This was a whole lot of fun. Hey, a lot of fun talking Auburn football with you guys. Really enjoyed it. That's our buddy Phil Steele. He's joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line here today talking about the Auburn Tigers. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brandt Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Final few moments here of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show here today. Our thanks again to Mr. Phil Steele for being on the show. Always amazing, Brooks, to catch up with him and to talk about the Auburn Tigers and college football as a whole. Absolutely. He's so knowledgeable. and I mean, obviously, he puts together this uh, amazing magazine every single year. And one of the things that I think it was a question Ryan asked during the interview that um, – about what he's most proud of and he said it's that everybody considers it their sports bible i mean we've got a copy right here in the studio i went and bought before we went to uh, sec media days a couple weeks ago i went and bought myself a copy of it we had it up there at sec media days with us we've got it in the studio we've been using it for some of these predictions it's just it's so good and he's right you know you open it up if i were to go home and i've got about three or four years worth of these still back at home somewhere in my boxes you open up the you know say open up to the clemson page you open up the clemson page on every single one of those 
it's laid out the exact same. You've you've got every, all the information in the exact same spots every single year, and it's just it's so easy because you you know, open it up and you're like, oh, what's uh, Nevada's 2021 statistical leaders? You look, it's right there, the same spot. It's going to be every single year. It's it's so handy, and especially like for guy people you know in in our field that are doing you know sports talk radio or broadcasting, you need facts and stats quick and you can't be like you said all the these websites all the sports you know the team's websites most of them are run by different uh you know companies and different uh different host sites uh have them so it's differently laid out but you can just pick up one of these uh magazines open it up and you're going to have the stats right there in front of you you know exactly where they are and uh it's it's such chock full of information if you haven't gotten your copy like he said at barnes and noble books a millions in the area i'm sure there's other places i know we found them at like walmart's before and uh publix's anywhere you can get magazines i'm sure they're out there and uh i highly recommend getting it before heading into the college football season because it's gonna it is gonna make your enjoy watching the watching the games more enjoyable when you know this information without a doubt i mean you're gonna be thrilled to have a copy to watch these games as you said and as i told him i said look we can't do a show without one of these inside of our studios you're more educated two pages of james madison football as he pointed out who knew you needed that in your life until you picked up a copy of this two of the 352 pages and then devoted to james madison you know he's got his feel still plus yeah and i was looking at this while ago you know he's got 131 fbs teams on the feel still plus you get 128 fcs teams Whew. So it's like he's got a full breakdown of all the FCS teams, too. If I don't know how he sleeps. Go to his uh, his uh, Plus channel. I have no idea how he sleeps. That's really impressive stuff. Well, and look, I mean, the magazine's been successful for a long time, so you don't have to, you don't have to change the formula. You know, we see, sometimes we see in TV, we see these new graphics, and we see new score bugs and stuff, and people, I think, are perfectly happy sometimes with the same product for a, a period of time, and... Uh, Certainly, Phil Steele has kept a, a similar product, and it's worked for him. A statement just came into my head. This product is older than all four of us. It's pretty wild to think about yeah. how long he's been doing this. Yeah. That's what happens when you're Unreal. the best, man. When you're That's the best, you keep the best. it going. Yeah. It's all, going on we 30 got a, years. we got a long life ahead of us, boys. Well, it <laughs> depends on what, when he put it out, though, because it's 27 years, and there is one person in the studio that is 27 years old. Correct, but doesn't it say over 27 years? For, over over the last 27 years. Okay, I so, was thinking over 27. I knew, Brooks, that in March you turned 27, yeah. but you're only 27 in five months. Yeah, but what if this is, you know, 27 two months? Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, you were three months old when he started. Congrats. Uh, that's fun. Here's our nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Oh, buddy, our Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. What's on television tonight, Brooks? You know what, JJ? I'll back you up here. Please um, do. He put it out in January, so it's older than I am. Would you like me? Would, does that work? Yeah. He put it out in January. Nightly TV Guide. Uh, I'll give you a movie pick to start off the evening, 7 o'clock on TNT. It's the comedy classic starring Will Ferrell. Uh, it is Step Brothers. Hilarious stuff right there to get your night going. That is the one and only movie pick I will give you tonight because there's enough sports on to keep you entertained. Starting at 6 o'clock, you got the Little League World Series on ESPN. The Northwest Regional Final is tonight. Also at 6 o'clock on Fox, it's the Field of Dreams game from Dyersville, Iowa. The Cubs and the Reds. And it is just 
a phenomenal it was a phenomenal sight last year the Yankees and the White Sox it was a, such a fun game last year hopefully even though that you kind of take a step back in in talent level this year with the Reds uh, and in uh, Cubs uh, over the Yankees but um you what know, time does that game start? Six o'clock. Okay. And so, but hopefully the Remem- game continues to live up to the, the billing. Remember when I full-fledged promoted that yesterday as if that did was you? the game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I had a uh, boo-boo on the early TV guide, but that, that game's tonight. No, last night was people were treated to the White Sox. The White Sox did play Correct, last and that's why I got it twisted in my head. I knew the Field of Dreams game was this week, and I knew also that the White Sox weren't back in it, but it was a brain fart. It was bad. All right. The Royals last had a things. good night last night, though. Uh, also, 6 o'clock tonight on Golf Network, the U.S. Women's Amateur continues. It's uh, one of the annual golf tournaments for amateur women's golfers. I think there's a couple Auburn Tigers in the field. And then uh, tonight at 8.50 on FS1, the 2022 FIFA Under-20 Women's World Cup continues with Canada versus South Korea. And, of course, you got NFL preseason tonight, 6 o'clock on the NFL Network. The New England Patriots and the New York Giants. Perfect. Thank you, Brooks. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to have you on the show with me. Thank Brian LaVoy, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Enjoyed it, man. Have a great weekend. Brant, have a great weekend to you as well. Thank you for having me, that sir. That does it for this week on Sports Call. Falcons football tomorrow starting at 3 o'clock Central Time. New Sports Call comes your way on Monday. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks to Phil Steele for being on the program. For Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Brant Daughtry, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.